If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Philippians chapter 3, have you found it? Now, we're going to jump right into verse 1. It says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. I love this word, rejoice. In the Greek, it means to glory on account of a thing, to glory in a thing. But one part of it, the the number one definition in the Greek, in the Strong's Concordance is to glory whether with reason or without. Hallelujah. You rejoice whether you got a reason or you don't. Well, the truth is we always have a reason to rejoice. But when the circumstances don't deem that there's a reason to rejoice, we do it anyway. Because our joy is not found in the external surroundings. The, the, our joy is not found in, in what is in the natural realm or in the sensual realm, that which we can see and that which we can taste and touch and hear and smell. It is found, hallelujah, in the Spirit. You know, the disciples were sent out by Jesus, and he, he told them, go heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, heal the lepers, and they did. And they came back and they were rejoicing over all these wonderful things that happened by the authority that he had given them and how people were set free and people were healed. And they said, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said, don't rejoice in that. Don't put your joy in the fact that demons are subject to you. You rejoice because your names are written in heaven. See, what he was teaching them was don't let your joy depend upon things happening because it ain't every day that you're going to be casting out devils it's not going to be every day that you're going to be seeing these doing these wonderful works for god so if your joy is in those things then you're going to have some really good days and you're going to have some really bad days but he said no put your joy on the fixed thing put your joy in the permanent thing put your joy in the eternal thing that is your names are written in heaven so no matter what kind of day you have whether you're casting out devils or whether you're going to work whatever it is you can always rejoice hallelujah so paul is telling them rejoice in the the great thing about the the book of of Philippians is this, it is just filled with this word joy or rejoice. It's the theme of the book. And he says, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you, it is safe. He says, for me to continue to say this again and again and again to you is not, the word tedious means it's not backwards or sluggish. That is, He's, not, he, he's saying, it's not that I'm not studying my, my Bible. It's not that I'm not come, I'm learning new things in the Scripture, learning new things in the Lord. I'm telling you, I'm telling you this because this is what the Lord's telling me. You need to hear this over and over and over again. Because we live in a world where the world is continually trying to squeeze us into a mold into its philosophy, into its way of thinking, right? And into its rationale. But he says, listen, I'm going to continue to tell you this. You've got to hear this over and over and over again. Rejoice in the Lord. It's not tedious for me to do this. As a matter of fact, this is a safeguard for your life. All right? And then he tells them why they need this, why they need to have this message in their hearts, in their minds, in their mouths, continually coming to their ears. The next verse, verse 2. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. Now, he's not talking about literal dogs. 
He's talking about dogs. Now, in the, in the, um, in the original text, the word uh, dog invokes this, a man of an impure mind or an impudent man, all right? So this is a person of evil character, all right? Beware of these of evil character. And then he says, and beware of evil workers, that is evil conduct, those who are going around doing evil things, right? And then of mutilators, this speaks of evil control. So you have evil character, evil conduct, and evil control. These are the kind of people he said you got to stay away from. Who's he talking about? He's talking about those who are trying to get all these churches that Paul is liberating with the gospel of Christ under the law. He's talking about these who come in, they, they come in, as Paul said in one place, they come in and they spy out our liberty, all right? Now, if you really think about what Paul is saying there, you have to understand the kind of guy, the kind of extreme these guys are going to, these Judaizers who are trying to put the people, the Gentile church, under the law. And he says they come to spy out our liberty. There's only one, one way a Jew is going to spy out somebody's liberty. One way. And it's by looking for the sign of circumcision. Now you understand. That was their whole point. That, that was their big hang-up. As a matter of fact, it was, a, it was a big dispute in Acts chapter 15 in the Council of Jerusalem. And they finally decided under the leadership of Pastor James and the apostles there that the Gentiles did not have to be circumcised to be righteous. We're righteous by faith. Amen? Amen. Righteous by faith. And so they gave the, the, the uh, Gentiles a few rules, Right? Abstain from blood and things strangled and from sexual immorality. Well, all those things had to do with how the pagans worshipped in the temple. But none of those things, even Peter said, why are we going to put a yoke on these guys that we couldn't even bear? I mean, God proved it over and over again that the law, the law no man could keep. And so Paul is saying, listen, you got to rejoice in the Lord. You got to rejoice in the Lord. You got to keep your joy fixed on the Lord because there are those who are going to come in and try to tell you that you need to do this and you need to do that and do that. If you're really going to be a, a good Christian, you have to do this, do that, do this. These are the rules for righteousness, right? And get them caught up in fleshly attempts rather than a life lived in the Spirit. All right, now, he's, so, so these guys are dangerous. All right? I mean, I think it's amazing. It says, rejoice in the Lord. It's not tedious for me to say this. And he goes right into the, the warning. Beware of the, of the dogs. What's interesting to me is he called them dogs. The Jewish nation prior to this had called all the Gentiles dogs. You remember that? Even Jesus himself called the Syrophoenician woman a dog. It's not right that I throw the children's bed to the dogs. Right? And she said, true, Lord. But it's been flipped now. And Paul said those that are trying to be righteous some other way than through faith in Christ, they're the dogs. Verse 3, for we are the circumcision. Wow. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Genuine believers... Worship in the Spirit. That is, that we don't think that true worship is done in a certain place, in a certain city, in a certain region. And that was, a, at, at one time, that was the truth. Remember, that, this was the woman's conflict with Jesus, the woman at the well. 
right? Their temple, they worshiped in Jerusalem, Jesus. The Jews worshiped in Jerusalem. And she said, well, uh, we worship on this mountain, right? And she talked about Jacob's well. She's very proud of Jacob's well being there in Samaria, right? Holding up to all of those all those traditions and all that, holding on to all that genealogy. Well, trying to prove that we're Jewish too and that we're authentic too. Well, they were half Jews. But here, here Jesus said, whoa, whoa, there's coming a day when we're neither going to worship on this mountain or on that mountain or in, or in Jerusalem, but there's coming a day when true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. Yeah. That is they worship God anywhere, anytime. The moment they open their mouths and begin to sing, they're in the worshiping God in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Anywhere, anytime. I think it's wonderful that we come together here as believers to this house here that, that God has provided for us to worship God. Oh, my goodness. But you can have just a power, as powerful an experience on 75 in gridlock traffic with your hands lifted, your, your voice singing His praises. Amen. Because God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is no longer in a location. He's no longer in a little box behind a veil, behind another veil. No longer is his presence confined there, but thank be to God, the moment Jesus Christ said it is finished, that temple veil was torn in two from top to bottom, and God moved out and into the hearts of all those who would call upon the Lord Jesus. So that we all, as the temples of the Holy Ghost, could any minute just lift our voices and bless them. As a matter of fact, the Bible says today the sacrifice of praise over in Hebrews chapter 13 is the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto his name. Aren't you grateful to God for that? That you don't have to jump through hoops to have genuine worship experience with God. Today, you can just say, thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. I bless you. I thank you, God. Thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for the good things that come into my life. Thank you, God. I understand that every good thing comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that you filled me with. Thank you for saving me. See what I mean? I mean, just right there, just being a worshiping in the Spirit. We are circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, Rejoice in Christ Jesus. Oh, man, genuine believers rejoice in the Savior. We worship in the Spirit, and we rejoice in the Savior. What is not to be happy about when you think about Jesus? Huh? You think about what he has done, who, what he did for us, how he became a man. Now, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Hallelujah didn't just become a man. He started as a baby. Hallelujah. I mean, he came down to the very lowest, humblest position of humanity and became like us. Glory to God. Now, now look at this. And have no confidence in the flesh. Genuine believers worship in the Spirit. Genuine believers rejoice in the Savior, and genuine believers put no trust. I had to have an S word. So I used the Greek word sarx, S-A-R-X, all right? It means flesh. <laughs> For all of my homiletic students here tonight. Verse 4, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. Now here's Paul about to lay out 
some really, 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 really big truths about him, his ability in the flesh before he came into Christ. It's beautiful. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm more so. This is great. Watch this. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law, a Pharisee. As a matter of fact, at one place he says, I was a Pharisee among Pharisees. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Now, it's one thing for him to say all of those things prior to that, but a man that can stand there and say that he's blameless in the law, I've never known anybody that could say that. But apparently the Apostle Paul was uh, really something in the flesh. Huh? Blameless concerning the righteousness in the law. Now, we put no confidence in those spiritual adversaries that we talked about, those who would try to continue to put us back in the law, but we certainly put no confidence in our self-achievements. Look at this. You cannot trust your rituals for salvation. That's what Paul was talking about. He said, listen, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. That was a ritual of the Jews. You cannot trust your race for salvation, a Hebrew among Hebrews. Of the tribe of Benjamin. You cannot trust your religion for salvation. Concerning the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the, truth, the, the church, you cannot trust your rage for salvation either. And look at this. Concerning the righteousness and the law, blameless, you cannot trust your righteousness for salvation. None of those things count. Now, all of those things were good. I mean, Paul was a very, very religious person. Take your Bible and turn over to Acts chapter 10 for just a moment. And I want to remind us again about one of my favorite people in the Bible, a guy by the name of Cornelius. Acts chapter 10 and verse 1. Michael, we'll start right around verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea. Let me just, let me just give us a little bit of background before we get to this. This is Acts chapter 10. Now, Acts chapter 2, something really powerful happened. Remember? Jesus told them in Acts 1, go and wait for the promise of the Father, and then you'll be endued with power, and you shall receive power. And after you've re- the Holy Spirit has come, you'll receive power, and you'll be witnesses to me in Judea and Samaria, Jerusalem, and the utter- uttermost parts of the earth. Well, then in Acts chapter 2, it happened. While they were all gathered in one accord, 120 of them were there in the upper room, and they were, they were there, the Bible says, and while they were seated, right, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, right? So those that were around, there were lots of other people there, but I'm talking about the 120 that were there for that purpose were there, and they all began to speak in other tongues. In this great miracle, all of these people that were on the edge, on the fringe, listening, heard them speak in their own language. And, the, and it goes through all the different regions and nations that were represented there. All of them were Jews. Not one Gentile got saved that day. All of them were Jews. 3,000 of them. It's powerful. It's wonderful. But not one Gentile was saved. And I'm saying that because, because over and over, 
churches tend to find a verse of Scripture or something to, to hang their denominational belief on it, right? And Acts 2.38, when I was growing up in Pentecost church, it was all Acts 2.38, Acts 2.38, Acts 2.38. We're the real church. We're the apostolic church. We're the real church, right? <laughs> no Gentiles got saved that day. It was all Jews. Now watch. This is, the, this is the first Gentile convert, Acts chapter 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. A devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people. Stay here, Michael, for a moment. And prayed to God always. Now, I want you to notice four things about this man. All right? This is, a, this is a Roman centurion. Now, watch. He's a devout man. He feared God with all of his household. He gave alms generously to the people, and he prayed to God always. This sounds like a really good man, doesn't it? Yeah. This sounds like a good man. He is a good man. There's just one problem. He's not a Christian. He's not saved. I wish a lot of Christians looked like this. But he's not saved. I mean, the guy has got it down in the flesh. He's got the works thing down. But ladies and gentlemen, he's just as lost as Adolf Hitler here. He's just as lost as Osama bin Laden. And he, with all of his household, fears God, prays always, gives generously. He's devout, and yet he's not saved. But he did get God's attention. And an angel came and visited Cornelius, you can read this, and said, send three men or send men to Joppa. There's a man by the name of Simon Peter that you need to ask for him, a man named Simon the Tanner's house. He will come and tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. This is glorious. So they make the trip to Joppa. They find Peter. Well, about that time, they arrive, just a little bit before they arrive, Peter's sitting on the roof of this house, and the Bible says he fell into a trance while they were preparing lunch downstairs. He fell into a trance, and a great sheep came down. And there were all manner of beasts and creeping things, beasts of the field. And the Lord, he hears a voice from heaven say, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, Not so, Lord. You know I'm a Jew, right? You remember. He said, Not so, Lord. And the Lord said, Don't call common what I have cleansed. And this vision happened three times before Peter began, it began to dawn on him that this was God speaking to him. And after the sheet was taken up, then the men were there, and the Spirit told them, you go with those men, doubting nothing. Go with those guys. So Peter takes a little entourage of Jews with him, and they finally, a couple of days later, end up at Cornelius' house. What's interesting to me is, it's four days have passed since the moment the angel has visited Cornelius. Four days has gone by until Peter is standing in his house. Think about it. Four days. Why? Why? Why can't the angel just tell why can't the angel just tell Peter the, uh, Cornelius the gospel? Why do they have to go get Peter down here? Why doesn't God just speak to him? What's the deal? I mean, this isn't this kind of urgent. What if the guy dies in the next four days before they get there? All right? For one thing, an angel can't preach the gospel because an angel's not been redeemed. The gospel 
is the message of the redeemed. And only the redeemed can proclaim that message. Hallelujah. And so they, it had to be a man. It had to be a redeemed man that could declare these words. And so they had to send for Peter. Peter gets there. Cornelius has got all of his family and friends there. I mean, the house is filled up. And Peter steps into this house for the first time, probably for the first time ever in this little Jew fisherman's life. He's standing in a Gentile's house, Right? And we know that, that they don't do that kind of thing because in Acts chapter 11, they took it up with him. The Jews took it up with Peter. They said, what were you doing in that pagan's house? Right? So he gets there, and there they all are. And Peter begins to tell the story. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 43, he says, whoever believes on him will receive remission of sins. Or whoever, to him, all prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And verse 44, everything started happening. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. That's incredible to me. It was at that moment that this man who was devout, this man who was a prayer, this man who was a giver, who taught his kids to fear God, at that moment he became righteous, not because of what he had done, but because he simply believed on Jesus through faith in his name. At that moment, all of his sins were washed away. And at that moment, God gave him all the Holy Ghost. Now, that messes with me a little bit. I'm just going to have to say it messes with me a little bit because the way I was raised is that you had to pray a prayer to make sure that you were saved. Right? Got to say the sinner's prayer. As a matter of fact, I was up every Sunday at the altar. It all, Pastor called all the kids up, and we had all come up to the altar, and we had kneeled down. We had sing, into my heart, into, I don't, I've asked Jesus into my heart, I don't know, a thousand times at least. These guys didn't even pray a prayer. It said while Peter was still speaking those words. What words is that? Through faith in his name, whoever believes on him will receive remission of sins. And at that moment, their hearts cried out in faith and said, yes, I believe that. And God said, that's good enough for me. Here's the Holy Ghost on top of it. And they all started speaking in other tongues. And Peter went, whoa, 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 we got to get these guys baptized. Right? Because apparently they already had kind of a system too. You get them saved, you get them water baptized, and then you get them speaking in tongues. Right? So God just, God just showed him what it's really all about. Our hearts being purified by simple faith in God. This is the first Gentile convert. This is really the precedent-setting moment for how all of us get saved through faith in the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. So Paul is showing us, and here's a Jew here. who Paul has given, this, given us this whole litany of self-righteousness, right? All the qualifications for Self-righteousness. Now watch. Verse 7. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as trash or rubbish that I may gain Christ. What Paul said, compared to knowledge of him, compared to Jesus Christ, none of this stuff measures to anything. As a matter of fact, it's just garbage. All of this effort, all of this, all these attempts, all of these works, none of them 
compared to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's all just garbage. It's futile. It's meaningless. Nine, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. So this teaches us that the law provokes or fuels or empowers self-righteousness. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God, how? Come on, say it like like you believe it tonight. The righteousness which is from God by faith. Hallelujah. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Here's where, where we, we don't put our confidence in our, in our uh, um, spiritual, um, uh, what's, what's the word I had on there? <laughs> well, adversaries, that's it. Or in our self-achievements, we put all of our confidence in our Savior's ability. Now watch. I want you to see verse 9, 10, and 11. Verse 9, 10, and 11. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but but which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Everybody say justification. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. Everybody say sanctification. And if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead, glorification. We see it all right there. Isn't that beautiful? Justification, you were saved. Sanctification, you are being saved. And glorification, you will be saved. Spirit, soul, body, hallelujah. Right now, in your spirit, you are as saved as you can be. Praise God. As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 10, 14 says that he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Hallelujah. Right now, one part of me, who I really am, the spirit, who you really are, is completely and totally perfect. Thank God. I mean, you're, the moment that you believe is the moment that you have everlasting life. You don't wait to get to heaven to have everlasting life. The moment you believe on Christ, you are a new creation. You're born all over again. Your spirit boom, just is, explodes with everlasting life. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. So from this day forward, now, right now, we are in this sanctification process that we are being saved. What we talked about earlier in in Philippians 2, working out your own salvation with fear and trembling, right? Not working for your salvation, working out your salvation, right? By the things that we think. The Bible teaches us that it all happens right here. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're continually trying to wrap our minds and our lives around this salvation experience. Yeah. Amen. And we've got to be led by the Spirit to do that. It works from the inside out. It works from the inside out. We already saw that it can't work from the outside in. They looked on the law, and so they tried to do those commandments. They kept the feasts, and they, they did the rituals, and, and they would do this, and they would not do that, and they would not eat this, but, and they would eat this, and they, and they would take a break on this day, but then they would work six days, and they would try to do everything, but you know what? It couldn't change their hearts. It couldn't make them righteous. Boy, they could look the part, but it really couldn't fix the problem. 
So Jesus did not become a sinner. Jesus became sin. So that you could not just be somebody who could do righteous acts. No, you could become righteousness. Hallelujah. And from that day forward, that's the knowledge that Paul was talking about. This knowledge of the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. Jesus changed everything. Jesus made me new all over again. I mean, he, he performed this miracle on the inside of me, and I've not been able to recover from it. it. He has forever altered the course of my life by saving me and cleansing me from all my sins. Hallelujah. So Paul teaches us here about this process of justification, sanctification. Oh, glory. And then there's going to be a day when we go get a new body. Oh, I'm grateful to God that this ain't all I get. Aren't you grateful huh, that this ain't all you get? But you're going to have a new body to be totally glorified and have the full manifestation of the salvation experience, spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Put all your confidence in your Savior's ability. And I want to I finish just by singing a song. Is that okay? Uh, while I'm uh, getting this ready, I, I got to tell you a quick joke. This, uh, this boy who played football for the University of Arkansas went up north to Boston, went up north to Boston to see his, uh, his friend who was going to college up there. And it was, it was the holidays, and so they, went, they attended a, a holiday party. And there, that, that boy from Arkansas met a real pretty girl. And he walked up to her, finally got the nerve to walk up to her, and he said, uh, <clears throat> where does you go to school? And she wasn't real impressed with his grammar. And she said, Yale. And he said, where does you go to school? <laughs> That's for Tommy Foster. <laughs>
I see all the people wasting all their time living up their riches for a life that's fine but nothing myself just living for today cause I don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring so no matter if I rise or fall I'll never be alone It don't get better than that. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean that, that kind of singing and playing. I mean that, that truth. There's a lot better than that. But because at the end of our lives, when we stand before him and see him in all of his glory, John says that we're going to see him as he is. I don't know what kind of pictures that puts in your mind. But whatever pictures it is, it doesn't even come close. We're going to see him for who he is. And the scriptures teach us that in the ages to come, he is going to unfold to us the riches of his grace. See, I have a feeling that we've really only just scratched the surface of this amazing grace that we've experienced at this moment. But there are ages to come, eternities yet unknown, where we're going to see a new dimension, a new level, a new depth of the grace of God. And I am excited about that. That means there's enough grace to last throughout eternity. (laughs) And we can be assured, as long as Jesus Christ is alive, We are all safe with God. Yes. Yes. 
because we have that man, Christ Jesus, as our mediator between man and God. The man and the living God, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I hope this has blessed you tonight. Let's stand together. I want to just take this moment too. If you're here tonight and you are, have any kind of sickness or any kind of pain or infirmity in your body, I want you to just come forward at this time. I want to lay hands on you. We're going to believe God together for your total healing. Amen. This past Sunday, we had two great healing services. And, um, but we, I'm going to have opportunity every service here for you to receive healing. You know, the Bible teaches us that, yes, the scriptures teach us that Jesus went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom, teaching and healing, preaching and healing, preaching and healing, preaching and healing. Amen. So we believe in preaching the gospel. We also believe in the demonstration of the gospel, the power and all the benefits that are in that great gospel. Amen. Y'all just come forward. Those of you that need prayer, just gather right here in the, in the middle. If you would, all of you here that are, just extend your hands this way. Let's agree together in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.